When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Lift it up. Let's make our confession of faith together. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet in Jesus' name. Remain standing for one moment. We're going to go to Revelation. That's at the very end. Revelation, and it's at the very end. So if your neighbor's by Genesis, just say, nope, let's keep on flipping. It's at the very end. It's at the very end. And uh, that word revelation, if you read the book of Revelation, it can seem really scary if you don't know what it means. Revelation comes from a Greek word, apocalypto, where we get our word apocalypse, which doesn't mean the end. Revelation isn't the end of anything. It literally means to uncover, unveil, or reveal. So the book of Revelation is uncovering and revealing Jesus. So it's nothing to be feared because it's just revealing that he's been here the whole time. Now, Revelation 12, 7, and war broke out in heaven. Had a little squabble going on. Michael and his angels fought with the what? The dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Ain't that something that the thing that was created got him some other folks to turn against the creator? Touch your neighbor say, don't be surprised by disloyalty. If somebody had the audacity to be disloyal to God, don't be surprised that people have the audacity to be disloyal to you. Verse 8, but they did not prevail. That's good news. But watch this. But, but nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. In other words, God says, listen, you dishonor me, I'm going to dismiss you. Verse 9, so the great dragon was what? Cast out that serpent of old called the 
devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Look at verse 10. Say it gets good here. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Why, Bishop? For the accuser of our brethren. Who's that? The dragon. Who accused them before our God day and night. I want you to say this last part with me like an army. Has been cast down. Do me a favor, introduce today's message to somebody. Say, neighbor, today we're going to learn how to train the dragon. Now, now, that right there is called a bearded dragon. That right there is called a bearded dragon. No, that's it. You met, somebody say, that's it. It's the same thing with the devil. He's got a big name. But when you look at what's really there. I was shocked by the size of the animal. Because bearded dragon, I was like, so how are we going to put that in there? We're going to do it all back here? And said, no, Bishop, it's just, it's, it'll fit in here. I said, but it's a bearded dragon. How is the dragon going to fit in the box? It's the same thing you and I are supposed to do to the dragon. Would you touch your neighbor and say, let's train the dragon. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now over these next few moments that we move and walk in what you've ordained. Forgive us for making the dragon bigger than he really was. Forgive us for making a big deal out of an enemy that's already been defeated. Today, I declare we're going to learn how to train that dragon. And that dragon won't defeat us in our thinking anymore. Won't defeat us in our family anymore. Won't defeat us in our finances anymore. Today, teach us how to train the dragon. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. You can be seated. Uh, we are, as you know, in week three of our new series called The Animal Kingdom. Zoology, Uology, and Theology. This series meets at the intersection of the spiritual meaning of animals from the Bible, Jesus, and you. Look at him looking at me. Uh, two disclaimers. First, there's nothing unbiblical about having animals in church as a prop to teach. And secondly, today's animal will be with me in the vestibule for you to see. Of course, you couldn't pet the scorpion last week, but you can pet the bearded dragon. All right, now, the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, the great deceiver, demon, dragon, are all names you've heard to describe the source of evil. But the truth is that the mainstream concept of the devil isn't biblically accurate. And in fact, if you were to take the devil away from most Christians, they'd have nothing to talk about because Christianity has become so devil-focused that we're not Christ-focused. But I came to tell somebody, this is not the church of Satan. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I'm going to train the dragon. In this message, we're going to demolish three false ideologies about the dragon that will expand how you view God and teach you how to train the dragon. I borrowed that title from a movie, just in case you didn't know. Number one, here it is. Let's get to it. Don't build him. Somebody say, don't build him. As we get to the meat of the message, as I already mentioned to you, I was shocked by the size of this animal. It's called a bearded dragon. It sounds big, it sounds scary, but it isn't. And that's the same way with the enemy. He sounds like way more than he is, and we have to stop building him and giving him power he doesn't really have. Somebody say, don't build him. 
there is this false notion that there is some battle between God and Satan, but that isn't in the Bible. In fact, it was extracted from Greek mythology with Zeus, the God of the heavens, and Hades, the God of the underworld. And that concept has pervaded Christianity for over two millennia. In fact, in case you didn't know, the term devil doesn't even appear until the New Testament. The proper name for the dragon is the Hasatan in Hebrew, Hasatan, H-A-S-A-T-A-N. And here's what that means. It doesn't mean he's messing with your money. It doesn't mean he got you in that car accident. He doesn't mean he's got your spouse tripping with you. No, here's what it means. It means the accuser. Okay, so the dragon has a specific job to accuse you to God and to accuse you to yourself so that you disqualify yourself even after Jesus has qualified you on the cross. Somebody say he's just an accuser. See, there are some people, watch this, that their talk is way, uh, uh, is way greater than their ability to walk it out. Uh, that their bark is far greater than their bite. And that's the way it is with the dragon. And here's an example of the dragon doing his job in Zechariah chapter 3, verse number 1. He's nothing more than an accuser. Say an accuser. Now, an accuser is good at pointing fingers and then running. You ever had somebody lie on you? Anybody ever been lied on? I've been lied on. I mean, who likes being lied on? Nobody likes being lied on. We've all been lied on, and that's what the enemy does. He's an accuser. So he accuses you of stuff. Watch this to God, and then he accuses you to you so that you end up being a self-defeating entity. Because you'll start believing his accusations against you. So he'll tell you you're not good enough. And you'll start saying, well, I guess I'm not good enough. And you got to learn how to look at him and say, look, uh-uh, hold up, wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. Here is Zechariah 3 and 1. Then he showed me Joshua. Now, this isn't Joshua you think of from Joshua and Moses. This is somebody else. The high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Now, now, now here's what I need you to see. It, just a basic concept. If it was Satan versus God, why is he in the meeting? Just a basic concept. Just a basic concept. Somebody say, that's not in there. Watch this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. That word oppose means to accuse him and resist him. Say accuse, resist. Here's what's interesting. Why does the Bible take the time to say that Satan was standing at his right hand? Because in court, the right side of the judge belongs to the claimant or the accuser and the left side belongs to the defendant or the accused. So now we see his real role being revealed. He's nothing more than heaven's prosecutor. You still here? Verse 2. I know some of y'all mad because I took your dragon from you. You're going to have to find somebody else to blame for why you got all them speeding tickets now. You're gonna... <laughs> I'm just being funny. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan. Watch this. And the Lord said to Satan. The Lord said to Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? He's saying, listen, I know Joshua has got a lot of issues. I know he's got a lot of problems. I know he's been through a lot of stuff, but I chose to pull him out of the fire. And it's not what's right about him that's going to be great about him. 
it's what's wrong about him that's going to be great about him because I'm going to use his weaknesses. I'm going to use his issues. I'm going to use his problems and I'm going to propel him to purpose. He says, he says, Satan, you don't even get how I work. I take foolish things to confound the wise. I take messed up folk to make messages. I take folks that's been through fire in order to bring fire. That's good news, church. Now, check this out. They're standing before the Lord. And the Lord says to Satan. So check it out. Get the imagery. So, so Satan's the what? Prosecutor. Check this out. God is both the judge and our attorney. You missed it. He's both judge and the defense attorney at the same time. That's why he's called our counselor. They call lawyers counselors. Y'all, 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 y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Which means, check this out. So, so when the enemy is accusing Joshua to God, the judge and the lawyer say, we rebuke you. See, either way, we win because the judge is our daddy and our attorney is our daddy. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. So either way, this thing is already fixed. Touch your neighbor, say, it's already fixed. And he says, the Lord rebuke you, rebuke you, rebuke you. Objection. He says, we have an objection to all your accusations, dragon. Somebody say, I'm going to train the dragon. We have an objection to you. Uh, look at verse 3. He says, our objection is that we know we took him out of the fire. We know we took him out of some jacked up stuff. We know we took him out of some mess. And here's what will happen. You'll think, well, God, I can't, I can't go to church. I got all these issues. God, I can't serve. I got all these issues. God, I can't give. I got all these issues. God, I, I can't do all that. I got all these issues. And, and the Lord's response to Satan is, after he makes all these accusations against you, he says, listen, objection. Now, let's look at verse 3 to see what exactly the accusations were. You ready? Y'all ready? Let's see the charges that were trumped up. Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. There it is. And was standing before the angel. Here's the accusation. You have no right to be here looking like that. You have no right to pray to him after what you did last night. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You have no right to call yourself a Christian and you're still cussing. Y'all not saying nothing. He's trying to say, you got all these dirty garments on. Why are you standing here in front of the judge? So those are the charges. We know why he's accused now. See, he wanted Joshua to start believing the accusations. So that, watch this, Joshua would never try to change. If you've been told and believe accusations, oh, you're no good. You're not good enough. Your mama didn't want you. Your daddy didn't want you. Nobody wants you. You always mess up. You take two steps forward, get knocked back 432,000. <laughs> See, now, if you start believing that, you'll believe the accusations. So you'll plead guilty when what you really need to do is be quiet and let the lawyer talk. <laughs> but then he's accusing you to God see he's an accuser that's what he does say he's an accuser so look at verse 4 then he said and spoke to those who stood before him saying take away the filthy garments from him 
And he said, see, I removed your iniquity from you and I'll clothe you with rich robes. Check it out. So, so our lawyer and the judge, who's Jesus, you got it? It's God. Says God. He like sets up the whole court scenario. So, you know, the enemy walks in. Oh, I got some charges on you. He walks in the whole thing. And then it's like, you know, from the back chambers where the judge is supposed to walk out by himself. He walks out and he says, it, it ain't just one of them. He says, let me duplicate me and you go be over the defense attorney for him. So the enemy's looking like, wait a minute. How y'all were in the back chambers talking before the trial? You, you, you're missing this. I'm trying to get the image. Are you getting the image of church? Now, watch what he says. Then he said to those who stood before him, take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, see, I removed your iniquity from you and I'll clothe you with righteousness. Iniquity is an interesting word because iniquity means generational sin that's passed down. He said, I'm taking away what, watch this, has been present in you for decades. I'm taking away what was in your daddy that got in you. I'm taking away what was in your mama that got in you. See, because you are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. So notice what he says. I ain't even dealing with what you did. I'm dealing with what's been present for generations before you. And in one moment, I'm taking it away. And he said, and let me, let me, he said, let me take your filth and I'm going to give you some rich robes. In other words, here's what he says. I rule in Joshua's favor. And I like this saying so much, I'm going to say it again. And hold up, wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. I want you to say that with me. Hold up, wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Now you say it by yourself. Because the enemy was like, I'm going to get him. And God was like, no, you're not. And I came to tell somebody, the dragon's been saying, you're going down. You're never going to have a good life. You ain't going to be able to bounce back. But God said, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Yeah. Look at verse 5. I got to quit. Verse 5. And I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. Here's what's inferred him. Check out this last part. Check out this last part. No, go back. Check, check out this last part. He says, put a turban on him. You know another word for turban? Crown. He said, he's been believing your accusations. So rather than being the king and priest I made him to be, he's been acting like a just get by dusty road somebody. But touch your neighbor and say, I am a king. I am a priest. I can be successful and spiritual. Look at what he said. Joshua, you came in here messed up, tied up, tore up, jacked up all of that looking rough looking ratchet but I'm going to take your dirty clothes I'm going to take your sin I'm going to take your shame I'm going to take your guilt take all of that off and then I'm going to put a crown back on your head would you touch your neighbor and say I'm going to train the dragon 
So when the enemy comes in like a flood with negativity, telling you how bad you are, telling you how messed up you are, you got to say it like we just said it. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Number one, number one, number one. Train the dragon. Don't build him. Don't make him more than anything than an accuser. That's all he is. That's it. That's it. Somebody say, that's it. This thing you've been taught your whole life, especially if you grew up in church, the devil. The devil is busy. The devil. Don't go to sleep tonight. The devil. Anybody know what I'm telling you? You, you, you were taught all this stuff about the devil. You better not watch them rated R movies. The devil is going to jump off. <laughs> Some of you didn't need to watch no movie. You just lived at home. So I said, rated our movie, watching mama them, daddy them, whatever. <laughs> number one, don't build him. He's not that big of a deal. Here's number two, Sam, training the dragon. Don't praise him. That's how you train the dragon. See, you may say it, you may not say it consciously, but you do it when you say things like the devil is busy. And you end up actually giving praise to the enemy because you're speaking to abilities he doesn't have. Satan, the dragon, whatever we want to call him, can only do what he's permitted to do when God permits it. It's, and that's only because God understands the necessity of an enemy. See, an enemy is nothing more than resistance. Resistance is necessary for growth. So then God understands the necessity for us to have resistance, which creates growth. Which means the enemy's not there to kill us. He's there to strengthen us. Satan can only operate within the parameters of what God has already laid out. And in those parameters, he can technically do what he wants, but nothing more. Uh, it's called a truism. Truism for my note takers, which means an incomplete truth. Here's what that means. If I say to you, you can sit anywhere you like in those three seats. Which means you can pick whatever seat you want out of those three. So here's how it works with the enemy. He's, matter of fact, I can probably show you better than I can tell you. Let's jaywalk over to Job, Job 1 and 11, so you can see this. Number one, to train the dragon, don't build him. Number two, don't praise him. The devil just took my car down. No, that's called an oil change, darling. Just got to go. <laughs> that's all. Don't praise him. Devil's just working in my children. No, that's just called I need a whoop. Okay. I'm just joking. 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 Look how the parents said, that's right, Bishop. Give me my belt right now. Let me know. Okay, just, just. Obey all your local, state, and federal laws. Joel 1.11. See, remember, Satan can only do what God has given him parameters to do. So watch it. Watch it. Joel 1.11. But now, this is Satan speaking to God. Once again, if they were enemies, how are they having conversation? See, God has no enemies because God has no equals. To be an enemy, you'd have to be his equal. Are you getting this, church? All right, so check it out. He says, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. Satan is talking to God, and he's saying, God, uh, God I can't touch anything unless you stretch out your hand and touch him. Or in other words, give me permission and he will surely curse you to your face. Verse 12. And the Lord said to the prosecutor. Got it? Behold, all that he has is in your power. Watch this. You can do whatever you want to do. 
You can sit wherever you want to sit in those three seats. He says, all that he has is in your power. Only do not touch his body. You can do whatever you want to do, but kill him. Because I'm going to show you that my son Job can lose everything. And he'll still call me his daddy. I think there's some witnesses in here where you felt like Job at a point in your life where you lost what you thought you needed. You lost who you thought would always be there. But you were able to stand up and say, I will bless the Lord. All times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He says, you can, you can, you can, you can do all that, but don't you dare kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Here's the point, church. Whatever God allows, God wants to use for our good and for his glory. That can be a tough concept to understand because it's like, well, God, if you love me, why? But say the same thing to the gym. Why can't we just go in there, look at the stuff, just say, I receive it. Hey, cut that up. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get it in a minute. You're going to get it in a minute. Why in the world can't you just lay, if you're trying to lose weight, just lay hands in the name of Jesus. I command you to flee. And you wake up in the morning and it's a miracle. Why in the world can't you lay hands on your bank account statement and say, in the name of Jesus, I, I command you to have seven extra zeros by the time I wake up. Now, see, y'all have been taught well. So he's like, I receive it because... But now with God, all things are possible, not all things are probable. So check it out. If God allows it, he wants to use it for our good and his glory. But we shouldn't spend our time praising the enemy. Talking about how busy he is. There's a song we used to sing in church years ago called Order My Steps. And it has this line. Nothing against the song, right? It's a beautiful song. It makes you cry and all that. But here's the point. It's so inaccurate. Here's what it says. Uh, 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 Satan is busy. But God, you're real. Order my steps in your word. What? <laughs> Satan is busy, but God, you're real. How about God is busy, God is real, and I'm going to train this dragon. Let me just go back to that line one more time. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Stop praising the devil. You get on the phone calling your friends, oh, the devil, child, the devil, the devil. And the devil's like, God, this is all I am. Look at him looking at you. <laughs> He's like, man, they really think I'm something, don't they? That's why Isaiah says they behold him and say, that's him. Third thing, say, I'm training the dragon. What's the first thing to do? Don't build him. Second thing? Here's the third thing. Don't feed him. Somebody say, I have to stop feeding him. Satan can't take anything from you. His accusations to you about you get you to give it up. That's why 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober. That means be in your right mind. Be vigilant. That means fight. Because your adversary, see, he's our adversary, not God's adversary. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Check it out. Let's just look at the verse for a moment. He acts like a roaring lion. He's not one. He just needs you to think 
Remember, this is all it is. He's got this big old the dragon. Is that fire? <laughs> That's good. I'm the dragon. The devil. I deceived Eve. I got your mama name too. He wants you to think this big, big thing about him. So what ends up happening is he's nothing but this until you start feeding him. And you start feeding him. He goes from that to that. See, watch this. He's like a lion. Say he's like a lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Here's what that means, church. He can't get everybody. Just those that don't know how to train the dragon. But I dare you to just slap your neighbor high five say, I'm a dragon trainer. That's the wrong neighbor. They said it kind of suspect. Hop, slap somebody else high five. Say, I'm the dragon trainer. And I don't know about you. I've given him enough. Okay. Let me just talk about myself. I've given him enough. Is there anybody that can say me too, Bishop? I've given him enough feeding him, making him bigger than he really is. So watch this. Let me, let me show you this. Let me show you this in action. Luke 22 and 3. And I'm done. Luke 22 and 3. I'm a dragon trainer. We will not be a church full of Christians running from the devil. You know, you know, you know folks, are, oh, I'm just fighting the devil. That's not spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is fighting you. I don't defeat something that's defeated unless I fed it and make it big. Watch it here. Luke 22 and 3. Then Satan, the dragon, entered Judas. Which means Judas didn't start out a snake. He didn't start out a liar. He didn't start out disloyal. He started feeding something. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Next verse. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him. Now go to Luke 22 and 1. Watch what happens. Luke 22 and 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. Next verse. Watch it. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they may kill him. Go to verse 4. So he went. Who's he? Judas. Who did he talk to? The chief priests. What did they want to do? Kill Jesus. Let me put it all together for you. There's two things happening in this verse. That word entered, when it says then Satan entered Judas. First, Satan gets Judas off track by placing him, watch this, in proximity to deceitful people that introduce destructive thoughts. I'll say it again. He gets him off track by placing him around deceitful people that introduce destructive thoughts. See, you were feeling good about God until you got around somebody that's mad at the world. You were feeling good about your life until you got around some chief priests and some Pharisees and some scribes. You were feeling good about the progress you're making in your life until you got around some people that are not happy about their progress. Watch. He gets them around deceitful people that introduce destructive thoughts. Check it out. So he enters Judas by a conversation. But can I go deeper? Can I treat you like a Wednesday for a moment? Second thing happening in this verse is that word entered is the word esokomai in the Greek. For my note takers, I'll spell it out for you real fast. Esokomai. No, no, just, 
<laughs> E-I-S-E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I. Esercomai. So Bishop, that sounds like a deep word. Nah, it just sounds deep. Here's what it means. Like eating food, a thought enters your mind. So let's read that verse, Luke 22 and 3, knowing what that word means, entered. Then Satan, watch this, like eating food, gave a thought to Judas's mind. Now, 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 check this out. Check this out. Food is fuel. And food fuels whatever is already present. When you eat today after church, it's going to fuel you. Now, now, watch this. Most Christian folk, if you're not a Christian, in a few moments, you're going to get an opportunity to become one because today is the day you're going to meet the God that I've been preaching about. Watch this. Um, whenever you eat food, you're fueling what's present. Got it? You're not going to eat food and then all of a sudden your IQ is going to increase. What's currently present is going to be fueled. If you, think of it this way. If you put gas in your car, just because you put premium gas doesn't mean it's going to turn into a premium car if it's not already a premium car. If you put gas in a Toyota, baby, after you put that gas in, it's still going to be a Toyota. It's just going to be able to get somewhere. Watch it. If you put gas in a different type of car, it's going to be the same type of car. Uh, when it gets to where it's going, it just now has fuel. So check it out. Food fuels whatever is already present. So check this out. Bishop, what do you think was present in Judas that got fueled by that thought? Watch this. Fear of rejection. Low self-esteem. Fear of failure. So then Satan introduces a thought to Judas and it fuels Judas's fear of rejection because Watch this. Judas had to be worried. Say, why was he worried, Bishop? Because he was doing something he didn't think Jesus knew about. And whenever we got stuff going on, we're trying to keep from God. We will think if he finds out what I'm doing, he ain't going to want me no more. As if he didn't watch us the whole time. Watch this. You ever, um, you ever thought, I'm never going to have you raise your hands because I don't want to go down that path. <laughs> but just stick with me. Have you, ever, have you ever thought someone was going to reject you and because you thought they were going to reject you, you pushed them away before they could push you away so you could save yourself the hurt? And it gave you this false illusion of control. It gave you this false illusion of being in charge. It gave you this false illusion. But the reality is, watch this, all you were doing is preemptively rejecting because you feared rejection. I want you to see this. Somebody say, don't feed him. Now, let me show you how this works together. And we're going to put this thing together, put a bowl in it, and then shout and sing. You ready? Watch this. John 12 and 6. When Satan introduces this thought to Judas, why would he introduce it to Judas? Peter had way more personality defects. No, I'm serious. Peter, Peter, watch this. Peter had a lot of issues. Peter was a fighter. I mean, here he is taking some other guy's sword, cutting off ears and stuff. P Peter, Peter was arrogant, telling Jesus, Jesus, don't say that. You're not going to do that. Look at the dragon. Trying to you, you're not, you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, Jesus, don't, uh, you can't do that. You're never going to die. Uh, he, was, he was presumptuous. I'll never leave you, God. Forty minutes later, I don't know him. I don't even know him. Don't even know him. Never met the guy. 
Is that the guy? I don't even know him. Is it the V? That guy? I don't even know. I never even met him. Got it? Why, why not use Thomas? Thomas was a doubter. Why not use Matthew? He was a tax collector. Nobody liked him. Why use Judas to be the one that betrays Jesus? Somebody say, why? why? Things that make you go, it's a good, hmm. Let me show you something. Because for the last day, have you fed the dragon? I said, for the last day, have you fed the dragon? Somebody on one of our digital campuses, for the last day, have you fed the dragon? Let me show it to you. John 12 and 6. Actually, let's start up in verse 5. Let's start in verse 5. Why was this fragrant oil? Actually, let's go up to verse 4. Oh, we're going to go a little further. Uh, 3. Uh, 3 will work. Then he took a pound of very costly oil and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet, or then Mary took rather, with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. She, she, she went to Neiman's, went to Nordstrom. In the South, for my Southern folks, she went to Saks. <laughs> and she got the best of the best. And she anoints Jesus' feet. Watch this. She's Mary, a woman that Mark tells us has seven demons. Doesn't tell us what they are because they're none of our business. What I love about God is that God, while he's working on you, he'll cover you. Verse. Verse four. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Y'all remember him, right? The chief priest, right? Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Watch the next verse. Now, I love, I love John. Hold up. Look at me, church, before you read it. I love John because John was closest to Jesus. So John gets all of this insider information the rest of the disciples don't get. So even when you see him writing, he'll keep putting things in parentheses to be like, well, I knew this. You ever met somebody that was on the inside and just say, well, look, don't tell nobody, but what's really happening is this. That's how John is. He's the one that in the day he'd be laying his head on Jesus. He was the beloved disciple. So now look at verse five. Check it out. This he, uh, go back, or verse, next verse. This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had Jesus' money box and he used to take what was put in it. So check it out. Give me that. Let me have an offering basket. Come on, an offering basket, an offering basket. Come on, saints. Praise him. Thank you. Thank you, son. Now, watch this. So Judas was Jesus' treasurer. And Jesus would do an offering. Okay. Would you come put this, put this in here for me, son? Do an offering. Okay. All right. You got an offering? Okay. Grab that for me, son, right there. Give me the offering. Give me the offering. Come on. Come on, church. Act like offering time. You know, it's blessed. Supposed to be blessed. Offering time. Double, double point. <laughs> He's getting credit for y'all. Now, watch this. Judas would be in charge of taking the money to the back. He said, amen. Praise the Lord, Jesus. Got this money, let me take it on to the back. Judas would take the money back there. Be like, I'm good, y'all. I'm just going gonna, gonna to count today. And they're like, Judas, we're supposed to have dual control. Two people back there counting, Judas. What you doing? I'm good. I got it. I Trust me. Jesus and I talked. Everything's okay. I got this. They need to go through the money. Like, I can't use that. That's a credit card. But up here goes some cash. Now, I'm going to put your cash back. Don't y'all accuse me of nothing. 
just to be clear. He took some cash out. Yeah, Jesus, uh, not that much came in today. Jesus be like, all them people out there? And you mean to tell me after all them healings, all them miracles, all that, they didn't sow? I don't know what to tell you, Lord. don't know what to tell you. He was stealing from Jesus. And he didn't think Jesus knew. You see me putting the money back in the envelope. Hey, do it for me, son. Do it for me. Anyway. Now, check this out. Say he was stealing. As he steals, church, he gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Because he's like, okay, I got to use this to cover for this. I got to use this to cover for this. I got to use it to cover for this. I, I got to quit. I'm out of time. He, he, he keeps going in this circuitous thing, and he goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And every time he's like, man, what are you going to do when Jesus finds out? How is Jesus going to treat you? You see how he handled those Pharisees and Sadducees. You see how rough he talked to them. You're going to get it. You, oh God, oh man. Judas has now got all this guilt, all this shame, all these issues going on in his head because he's so scared when Jesus finds out he's been stealing, Jesus is going to reject him. And Jesus ain't going to say, hold up, wait a minute, let me put some grace up in it. He's going to say, hold up, wait a minute, get to Popo. Popo is an urban colloquialism for police. He's so scared Jesus is going to get rid of him because his whole life, everybody he got close to got rid of him. How do you know that, Bishop? Because when Jesus finds him, he finds him doing his father's trade, which means the religious system had pushed him away because when you weren't good enough to apprentice a rabbi, they say, go do your father's trade. So Jesus gives him acceptance, but he doesn't even know how to receive acceptance. I'm going to close this. I'm going to close this. Say, don't feed him. This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. Check this out. So Judas now eats this thought like food. That's what entered means, right? And so he's, I better get rid of Jesus before Jesus gets rid of me. You got it? And my guilt is overtaking me. My shame is overtaking me. My fear is overtaking me. And the only thing I know to do is to betray the only one that's been there for me. Are y'all here, church? Somebody say, don't feed him. You feed the dragon by eating what he feeds you. I know it, but there should have been more shouts there. You feed the dragon by eating what he feeds you. See, so he's feeding Judas. God don't want you. You're not good enough. You make so many mistakes. You never do anything right. How are you ever going to bounce back? Check it out. So Satan's feeding Judas and Judas is feeding him. So now watch this. Judas could have fixed this whole thing with one conversation. Jesus, sir, listen. The other day when I said we didn't bring none in, I lied. The lie detector de test determined that was a lie. I've been taken from the money box. I've been stealing. And uh, here it is. And I, I repent. I repent. One conversation takes Judas from a zero to a hero. 
But he wouldn't have that conversation because he didn't know how to train the dragon. Easy to catch the point, church. He didn't know how to train the dragon because you know what he does? He lets the dragon feed him. What's going on? Then he feeds the dragon. So he gives him guilt. He's like, that makes sense. He gives him condemnation. That makes sense. He gives him shame. He says, that makes sense. And I want to ask you, how many of us, let's just be honest, you're at Harvest, you don't have to lie. How many of us, you've been feeding the dragon? Because he gives you all these thoughts. He gives you all this guilt, gives you all this shame, gives you all this condemnation. You're not a good enough father. You're not a good enough mother. You're not a good enough son. You're not a good enough this. You're not a good enough this. But I believe there's somebody in here that says, from this moment forward, I'm going to train that dragon. Somebody holler, I'm training the dragon. So watch this, to train the dragon, don't build him, don't praise him, don't feed him, and don't miss church on Wednesday, because I'm out of time. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com bundle. Restrictions apply.